Hey everybody, welcome to Too Busy to Flush. I'm JR. And I'm Molly. And this is uh, a podcast where Molly and I, as a happily married couple with four children, we talk about everything in our lives related to, but not limited to, uh, homeschooling, politics, religion, campers and vans, outdoor activities, cats, dogs, food, health, health, child rearing, child rearing, church and the Bible. I can't think of anything else. Okay. Yes. Uh, so yeah, that's the deal. And our kids are books and very rarely pop culture. <coughs> very, very rarely pop rarely. culture. If this is your first time joining us, our children are now because we're going through birthday season. We have completed birthday season. Phew. No, because I still have me and then Faith. Yeah, but it's not... That's all, the break. It's not all packed in okay, there. Fair. We get a breather for fair. two months. Uh, Titus is 11. Elizabeth is 9. Uh, Elise is 7. And Faith is currently 3. Free. She's free. free. She's free. She's definitely not free. And when anyone asks you... We have a cat scratching at the Yeah, door. hang on. Talk to our... I'm going to let the okay. cat Okay, so whenever, whenever what. I can't take credit for this, but I have recently met six and seven-year-olds. I, I recently met, talked to a six-turning-seven-year-old, and I said, oh, it, Elise was going to the, her birthday party. And I said, oh, what day is your birthday? And the little girl said, I don't know. My mom won't tell me. <laughs> and I said, I, I actually kind of doubt that. I suspect she's told you a lot of times. But if you ask Faith, who is free... When her birthday is, she says, I'm turning four on May 9th. And she says it so fast that people look at her with glazed over eyes and have no idea that she actually, as a three-year-old, knows exactly what day her birthday is. So anyway. Yeah. That's how old our kids are. Kids are funny. Um, so this is our first episode of 2022. And I can safely say that we, I have zero resolutions. I'm not going to do anything new. It's been a it's been a really weird holiday season. So right before we ended the show for the year, um I was going to put in 2 weeks straight of ski patrolling, which I did. So I pretty much have all my days in except 2 at which point and I'm a volunteer if so if you don't know, I volunteered at our local ski area as a ski patroller because and- it in exchange for volunteering, our family of six skis for free. Yeah, we get free ski passes. So that's pretty rad. Um, I derailed. Uh, so I, I did my two weeks and I have two two days left. And then at this, about the same time, um, I lost a very significant client in my ATM business. To the point now where... I'm not drawing a salary from my own company anymore. But the cool part is I can still keep my finance manager employed so I don't have to deal with the day-to-day for now. So that changed things a little bit and that prompted, and I, this is a lead up to uh, to my current story, that prompted a auditing of going through all of my bills and expenses for my company and seeing what I can cut and wear and what's not needed anymore, which is always healthy to do. Um, and one of those was cell phones. And I'm paying our... Uh, internet bill, and they say, "Hey, best deal in mobile right now, thirty bucks a line, unlimited up to twenty gigs." So I'm like, "Well, you know, that's 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 really good." So I look up how much gigs we use. Molly <laughs> uh, used 
14 gigs last month. Uh, I believe you told me 40. 40. She used 40 gigs last That's month. That's four with a zero behind it, not four I, with a one in front of I it. I used like 10. <laughs> so, um, But the reason is because I switch off Wi-Fi. Here's the deal, you guys. I appreciate this dramatic, uh, tremendously about JR. He has our Wi-Fi or our house internet locked down for accessing things like pornography so well that when I'm clicking on articles to read for my work with Canavox, which is an organization that runs in-home reading groups discussing things related to marriage and sexuality. So, for example, if I want, if I have an article that I'm trying to read to discuss in my home with a bunch of other ladies about pornography, I will click on it and it won't let me access it. Because it triggers something in the filters that JR has set up. So I'll turn off my Wi-Fi to read it via through my data plan. And then I just forget to turn my Wi-Fi back on. And then I watch Netflix or whatever on my phone. Yeah. And so I do that a lot. It's We do have some gaps. So the other day... I don't. I don't remember what musician it was, but all through my Instagram feeds were all about this. Uh, was it uh, Taylor Swift? She had a wardrobe malfunction for something, and I was I wanted to find <laughs> legit, you guys. I wanted to find out what malfunctioned, but not actually see the images. That didn't work. I, punched... I don't think it was Taylor Swift. It was Zendaya. Was it Indea? Zendaya? Was... I don't remember. The but... one that went really viral was she had her dress had slipped. And she's right. dating Tom, what's his name now? Spider-Man. Oh, Tom uh, Holland? Tom, yeah. Tom Holland? Holland, yeah. And he stood in front of her while she fixed her dress. Right. So I was curious because the whole world was abuzz. And I'm like, what's the big deal? I threw that into my search engine. And Brave, because we use Brave, yielded results with thumbnails unrelated to. And I have, I even had my search settings on moderate. And when you have it on moderate or strict it'll pixelate out the images but all you have to do is change that to off and all of a sudden boom pornography so there's some gaps that i need to fix so still. i can't read my how to protect right. your kids from pornography or and you still get the, dished image the other one that it filters out is uh. there are the other one that it filters out is if i'm sorry i'm eating a piece of chocolate and salivating a lot <laughs> the i bought a bag of truffles to put in the kids' stockings at christmas and may have forgotten to put them in them. So I have a bag of truffles I need need to eat through. Um, it also filters out alcohol recipes. Yeah, that's kind of a bummer. And so if there's a blog or something that I'm that has a lot of alcohol recipes, even if I'm not trying to get to the alcohol recipe, it'll not let me see that. And so then I've got some fine tuning to do and I I, I won't this is all a massive rabbit trail to where I was going, but I get this bill for the spectrum mobile. Mm. It's a really great deal. So I'm like, I'm going to switch this over because I'll save roughly 70, 80 bucks a month. If I switch you and me over to spectrum where I don't, we don't travel. We don't really travel anymore. We're not using that kind of data, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I can always add more data if I need it. So I said, I'm going to do that. And so I started that process and the process went rather smooth. I mean, there was a couple iPhone hangups, and I just did it on my own on on Monday night. But then I get out on yesterday, and I'm going around town. I'm like, I don't have data. Nigga, do you have a funky call? Phone? No, I can call and text, but I have no internet data. It says I have data, so I look on my SIM status, and it says mobile state, mobile data state 
disconnected. I'm like, why is it disconnected? So then I spent a bunch of time with tech support on the phone, and Spectrum tech support was pretty good. They answered within two minutes, kind of knew what they were talking about. But they said, what you have to do is have your... I won't get into it. Needless to say, I punched in a wrong number on my SIM status. Uh-oh. On my SIM card number. So that SIM card was tied to a device ID that doesn't exist. So all this stuff to say, then I go to the store, and my my device was never reset the night previous night before. So she's like, well, we got to reset it. Well, she's trying to tell the tech person's got it. So I'm at the store. I won't, I won't bore you with it. I'm at the store for like three hours, two and a half hours today. And I can get anything done. I'm trying to spend some time getting work done on the van. So anyway, uh, continuing to circle yeah, back. Yeah, where are you going with we this? We were... That I was, can't even remember. That was that was why it's been kind of a weird week. So um, yeah, so now I'm probably going to go to work early for my buddy who is... Um, who is opening that bar that I was telling you about in the last couple episodes that I'm going to go work for sling drinks and, and hang out with people. Um, I'm probably going to go work for him a little bit early part time, get my feet wet. He's going to be using the same POS system, all those things. So when we open up in March, because he owns our favorite pizza shop. Yeah. And he's desperate for quality help. His wife told me <laughs> last night, Oh my gosh, that would just assuming that you're so quality much. help. <laughs> yeah. Assuming I'm quality help. That's a big, that's a big, so if this is your first time joining us, thank you for being here. We typically talk for an hour, but since it's evening and we're not rushing, kids, our, we're kids not rushing our kids off to judo, this may go longer because we have a lot to catch you up on over two weeks, sort of, maybe not. Um, so that's kind of what we do. And, um, that is what my world is. My world has been ski patrol actually for the last two weeks. And then now that I'm done, I'm going to spend time. I told Molly I'm going to spend time getting the van done. Like we spent a bunch of time camping in it last year after we got rid of the sort of Molly hasn't camped in it yet, but after we got rid of the pop-up tent, uh, pop-up trailer. And so I kind of know exactly what I want to do. All the parts are coming in, got one more thing to order. And then it's just a matter of putting it all in and installing it. So I'm kind of excited about all that. And building cabinets. That's right. part of the building yeah. piece, yeah. Sounds yeah. like a lot of work. Sounds it is. like a it's lot of work. It's very tedious, my love. Very tedious. And, well, oh, by the way, I did save $100 a month on my cell bill. <laughs> so oh, yeah. That's a huge That's a huge saving. I'm not getting the write-off anymore because my corporation was paying for it, and now I'm paying for it. But apparently the kids' gizmo watches are still only... Five dollars a month, even though you have no other lines per line. So you pay Verizon ten dollars yeah, a I month. I pay ten dollars a month for the kids' so, watches. So you guys, oh, yeah. this is actually a question that I continue to be mentally. It just comes up a lot for me. Is I'm curious for some of you with teenagers, what you do, or with kids who grew up in the cell phone era and who are now out of the house, what you do with your kids and your cell phones. And I find. Every time I ask people this question, I just find the rationale so fascinating among... Because I have no idea when our kids will get smartphones. I have friends who listen to the show. I can think of two right now who have teenage, still-in-the-home high school daughters with full-on iPhones. And they completely trust them. And part of their thinking is... I'm going to shepherd you now while you're in the house and I want you to learn how to use your phone with all the things that are available on it well while you're in my house so when you're out of my house you have practice with this. 
I have other friends who use the Gab phone, which is highly advertised, but apparently not a great quality actual device. So I think it would drive you nuts. And then I learned recently from another friend with one teen and one preteen daughter about a phone called Pinwheel. I just heard about Pinwheel uh, as I was at the cell store today. Okay, so so our friend Jenny loves Pinwheel because it's got this suite of carefully selected apps and it's a good phone. But anyway, I haven't researched it that much because currently our kids are happy as clams with their gizmo watches. They can contact us. We can find where they are. We give them, so for example, you guys, we went skiing on Saturday, and I have a lot that I could say about that. It was our second time skiing as a family, and JR was on ski patrol duty, and so... Oh, this looks cool, babe. It, the pinwheel? So Continue your thought. I've got something to add to this. Okay, so this is, I have several things I can say off of this. I'll limit it to three. First of all, you guys... Every year that our kids get a little bit older, it's easier for me to take them skiing, but it's still, nope, I'm going to make, I'm going to say four things. It's still so much work to take little kids skiing, just getting out of the house. JR bought Titus up early. So Titus, so this is the first thing. Titus has his gizmo watch. He just turned 11 years old and I feel like he's living in in a different era almost because we live close enough to my parents and in a small enough neighborhood that he can come and go from their house as much as he wants, which is kind of unusual in American culture these days. He, he, we set him loose on the ski hill because our two middle girls were in ski lessons for two and a half hours in the, in the afternoon and they couldn't ski with him. And I was skiing with Faith, who is three, and it kills my niece to snowplow behind her on anything steeper than the bunny hill so she and i did the bunny hill and titus with his watch and he's he's actually you guys kind of a fearful kid so he he the watch gives him a lot of security in that he can go wherever he wants on our little local ski mountain and he can call mom he can call dad whenever he wants to know where he where we are and we answer and he knows exactly where we are and exactly where he can meet up with us And he isn't, he's riding a lift by himself and can call. At one point, I tried to get a hold of him because I had a question for him and he didn't answer. And then he called me back a few minutes later. He's like, Oh, sorry, mom. I called Grammy while I was on lift. So he calls Grammy, who's out in Washington State, and just chats her up while he's on the lift so he doesn't feel alone. But it was very exciting to see him really thriving in that. I wondered if he would be bored or lonely or fearful skiing by himself, but he just, he totally ate it up. But at the same time, I was so grateful and proud of him because he was up with you, but I called him when we were getting to the, up to the mountain and he met me at the drop-off point and he carried all of the little girls' ski gear up the hill and he kept track of them while I parked And I feel like this is the first year where I have kids who are old enough to really, really be helpful to the point where, and this is sort of a continuation of that point. And then also another point, I was taking all four kids down to our car for lunch because of COVID. 
we eat in our car because the lodge is kind of locked down. And so we're walking, I'm, I'm getting everyone hustled down and it's taken a little bit longer than it should have. And I'd lost a kid on the ski hill and wasn't sure they weren't where they should have been when I, where I told them to meet up. And so it was frustrating and a little bit scary and I'm getting down there and I pass a friend who's coming up and she, and I'm managing all this by myself and she says, hey, how you doing? Good to see you. Our kids are going to be in class together. And I looked at her and I said, I hate this. And she literally <laughs> got in this, like, like all I can think of is ready position. Like if you're an athlete, volleyball, basketball, whatever, kind of crouched down. She gets in my face and she goes, you are doing awesome. You are great at this. You're crushing this. And I got back to the car and I texted her a few minutes later after I'd cooled down. I was like, I'm sorry that I blew up on you. Thank you. And then I just kept thinking, I am so grateful for a friend who literally drops what she's carrying and sure leads me <laughs> in a very, very down moment. And I aspire to be more of a friend like that. To be the sort of friend who, when someone is down, I, I think there's there's a place for both, for both sympathizing with some, empathizing with someone who is down, or struggling, or especially in the throes of having little kids, to be like, yeah, this is really hard. But then just to super cheerlead. I have a couple of friends like that, and it's so something I aspire to because it doesn't come naturally to me to literally drop everything and tell someone that they're crushing it so and then I got to the car and Faith melted down because she was cold and she didn't want to eat the lunch that I'd given her and all of a sudden I realized I needed to do a 10 minute hike, hike up the hill and I had 15 minutes to get the girls to their class so it's chop 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 at least you haven't eaten and so I had almost no choice to get them to their very first class on time I left Titus in the car with in charge of Faith which I don't think I've ever done something like that before, unless they're all strapped into the car and I run into the store for eggs or cream or something really quickly. Um, so if you guys don't know a little bit about our family, when Molly and I got married, actually when we were, we were engaged, our, our number one way of going on a date in the wintertime was to go skiing together. We both grew up skiing. And that's something we kind of kept with us our entire lives. So when we had kids, we said, we, and I recognize, we recognize that every family is different in what they choose to do and how they choose to spend their time and money. Um, we decided early on that we didn't want to be slaves to kids' schedules and having to travel all over the place for things and and running around all the time because this kid does baseball and this yeah kid this does kid does soccer. soccer this kid does dance this kid does you know you name the name the activity so we partly wanted... because I am lazy and low energy and it would yeah. kick my butt yeah so but we also wanted an we had a, a distinctly heavy emphasis on activities that we could do together as a family things that would still have an element of individualism uh, and have uh, but also something that we could all do together and for me it was also things that were um, that were were you were able to do they gave them an opportunity to be competitive if they want to be competitive but 
things they could take with them for the rest of their lives. And so skiing was naturally a part of that. Like Molly and I wanted to keep skiing. So we're like, let's just get it, let's get it out of the way right away. Get the kids on skis right away. And you guys, it's been such a pain in the butt. It's, it's a lot of work <laughs> I can't to take a tell toddler you skiing. How weird it was being up there today. My son is already shredding on skis like a park rat. Like he sags, you know, keeps his poles down. He's got the movement down. He hangs out on, you know, he's just got the whole thing going on. Lily's going to take after you. She's going to ski like an old grandma and it's going to be amazing. Uh, but Faith is still on a leash. And here we are, you know, 42 years eight, old, nine, I think Ty started skiing when he was two, nine years later of hucking kids in harnesses, hauling them around, hauling crap everywhere. And this is the last time that fact alone this is like gives me so much like i'm just i have energy to do it again just one more kid i can do this this is the first year in nine (laughs) years that we are the that we haven't had a kid in diapers and our Uh, ski area's bathrooms don't have changing tables so i've literally been changing babies on benches in the locker room or on tables in the dining area For nine years, and now Faith doesn't wear diapers anymore. And it's pretty amazing just to take a three-year-old to the bathroom two or three times during a ski day and not be hauling all the extra stuff or pouches of baby food because she's a normal human being and eats normal... Well, if she eats. She eats normal human being food. Yes. So um, if the van is done, I'm going to specifically address Kim. You know who you are. I fully <laughs> intend to drive the van up to your place this winter and go skiing with Whitefish with at least three of the kids. Maybe maybe two. I don't know. Maybe all of us. Um, so anyway, um, I had somewhere I was going to go with that, but I forgot what it... Oh, my comment about the phone. So it looks like after looking at Pinwheel... Mm-hmm. Uh, so first of all, before I get to Pinwheel, Titus has been asking for something that he can play music on. Yes. Which I have no problem giving him. The problem with giving him, like we have old iPod touches running around here somewhere, but we also use all of our services or subscription anymore. So I got to figure out that thing, but I don't want to just hand over, uh, without, and this is the beautiful thing about I Apple devices. You can lock them down so well, like between... I know we switched over to Spectrum, but between some of Verizon, some of Verizon services, I actually think there's better services aftermarket for things, and and Apple, you can't really get much better for kid things. Um, so Pinwheel uh, is so. Here's what I've learned about Pinwheel in the last five in the minutes last while I've been talking. Five minutes while you've been talking. Pinwheel's built on Android, and if any of you have listened to our podcasts in the past, you know I'm big on or probably have intuited that I'm big on open source blockchain code that people can take and run with. Android has always been an open source code. It's never been owned by Google. Well, I think it's owned by Google now, but it's still an open source code. So you can take the original source code to create your own things. That's what they did. That's what I'm doing on my phone right there, that graphene operating system. The one that's giving you such headaches. It's not related to the operating system. It's spectrum. <laughs> so... um because <clears throat> it worked fine on Verizon. And then I switched over. And so um, that said, they built a system. What I don't like, and the, and the phones are really affordable. So they basically built a stripped down version of. For Pinwheel? Yeah. It's a stripped down version of Android where you can give the kid whatever you want. You have control over that with a proprietary dashboard for, for account control. 
Now you pay for the phone, but then you also looks like you also pay fourteen ninety nine a month, and I'll have to ask Jenny. Fourteen ninety nine a month for the subscription to the proprietary dashboard, and then you're paying for the phone line. Then I think you're paying for the phone line on top of that. So that's where it gets a little bit layered. Yeah, layered. It's not a bad thing if that's what you want to do, but I'm also kind of a fan of just how much that compares to Gab. I'm almost just kind of a fan of the light phone. You can go buy a light phone too. That's just pre-built, totally stripped down. It's stripped down Android again, but it comes with an e-ink screen. There's no features, no nothing. That's it. But you can't but ever see, do the anything. The fun with thing it. about Pinwheel <laughs> is you, from what I understand from Jenny, is you can you can let them use specific apps. Yes. You can green light. Okay, you can have these games. Okay, you can have this messaging now, service. Now here's, and I haven't talked to Jenny about this in depth. I'm, but why wouldn't you just give the kids an iPhone and control everything that they can download and access with their iPhone? Because what's the difference? Because I think that there's a another layer of safety in there are games. There there are ways that kids on iPhones work around parental controls. I mean, I follow Protect Young Eyes on Instagram, yeah. and they're like, you know, kids are using this backdoor to get around parental controls on Snapchat. They're using this backdoor to get around parental controls on Instagram. But those are app. Those are app level controls. What about it? What about because the parental controls on an iPhone are operating system level. I don't. Then know. you could add another layer of Canopy, which is still those two things are still cheaper than because Canopy is only what ten bucks a month. I think I'm paying for Canopy, and I can track. I don't know. I can block them out there and everything they do on that. Uh, I don't know. It's just it's all okay. So we're the, all yeah, figuring so this just out. So you, you know, guys. yeah. But I'm curious because there are people out there I know. Yes. Friends who listen and interact with us who have teenagers, and I'm curious what you guys do. A Gab phone is $99 plus a two year contract is 18 bucks a month, a one year contract, 20 bucks a month, no contract, 25 bucks a month for a plan, and no internet, no games, no social media. I think you can control whether or not they can send pictures. But anyway, I think I had more things to say about our ski day, and they're gone. And we have a lot more things to say in general, so I'm going to move on. <laughs> okay. Sorry, guys. Um, I a couple things that we have been cooking recently. I just today. Okay, I'm. I'll say the things I'm cooking, and then I'll expand onto other things. Titus was craving chocolate chip cookies for that gap week between Christmas and New Year's, and every time he'd say can I make some chocolate chip cookies? It was a tremendously inopportune moment. And I finally felt so badly for him one evening. I was like, all right, let's let's look up a recipe. And he's looking through Mel's Kitchen Cafe, which is my default for recipes. And he finds this giant chocolate chip cookie. So he, he said, I want to make this. It turns out to be the best. It's delicious. Just super rich, chewy, and crazy easy the best recipe to hand off to an 11 year old boy and train him how to make cookies we had nicole listens to the show we you had a cane of ox on monday night nicole said oh your son totally crushed these cookies these are amazing and i am a chocolate chip cookie connoisseur i've never left that and she just she kept eating them she thought she raved about them yeah there so here's here there's two great things about three great things about this cookie recipe First of all, it doesn't require softened butter. You melt the butter. So it doesn't require 
any foresight. You just pull butter out of the fridge and melt it. And it's a small recipe, so it's one <clears throat> stick of butter, I think a cup of sugar, and I don't I don't keep brown sugar in the house. I just add a dollop of molasses to sugar if a recipe calls for brown sugar. So and and because there's it doesn't require softened butter and beating it, it's something it's super simple. It's just a bowl and a spatula. So an eleven year old boy with a bowl and a spatula, that's all he's getting dirty. And then we smash it into a rough square or a circle if we want to eat it in pie sort of pieces and bake it in the oven and it is it's super delicious but it's a great recipe for a kid who totally crushes the recipe and it's super easy cleanup because it doesn't require a mixer or anything like that i have decided to especially for titus the girls are interested enough in cooking i think they're going to have basic recipe reading skills and baking skills but i really want titus why are you looking at me like that? Because I just realized that I've been doing other things on my tablet instead of taking notes about what we're talking about. So when I have to do the show notes later, then I have to go listen to half the show. And I'm like, oh. Oh, we haven't mentioned anything yet except the chocolate chip cookie recipe. And phones. phones. And skiing activities. and Oh, all right. But for links. So anyway, I want to make Titus a folder or a binder of recipes that I've been training him to make. And I think... I think I've mentioned to you guys before at Thanksgiving, I made Mel's Kitchen Cafe blender rolls, which Titus just raved and raved and raved and raved and raved about how much he liked them. And I think he ate eight rolls on Thanksgiving Day and then ate all of the leftovers the next day and then had me make another batch of them the next day. And I said, okay, I will make another batch, but this has to be your recipe. You are going to master this. And whenever we do these rolls for special occasions or just whatever you have to help make it and it's kind of a crazy recipe because you put in you put almost all of the ingredients except for the flour into a blender and then you add very hot water and blend it up and then you just gently mix the flour isn't baking so those rolls were actually like mind-blowingly spectacular Mm -hmm. isn't a lot uh, and i grew up you guys, I grew up with German Mennonite homemade from scratch rolls that are off the chain. So these soft. ones, I can't. Rec- I can't. These rec- ones smoke. The ones I grew up with. Like I love my family. I love my former barely English speaking German grand great grandmother. But look, these rolls that you made it just blue. So isn't baking all about process? Isn't it about how you add, when you add, and where you add things? It and precise amounts. Yeah, that. that's why I never liked baking. I tried bread once and it just blew like it was terrible. It's it depends on what kind of baking you're doing. So these blender rolls, that's the weird thing about it is you put all the sugar and the butter and I can't and some milk maybe and then you add hot water and blend it up and then you mix it and it's it's fantastic. There's no special kneading. And anyway, I don't know. So people have figured out how to hack the process processes in some ways. But that's the other lovely thing about the artisan bread that we make and that Lily sells is it's not fussy at all. The sourdough is just barely mixed <laughs> we, up. <laughs> we make Lettuce so it. much money on this stuff. No, I mean... <laughs> Lily makes well, we don't. Five a bucks week. a loaf, but you said your costs on that are like 20 cents. 
No, it's 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 time, about a dollar time for invasions. all the batches. But yes, it is it is more time intensive. But it's not as finicky as say making making a cake where process is very important. But anyway, I think that I will give JR a link to both Titus's blender rolls as well as <coughs> Titus's chocolate chip cookie. I might have to sneeze. You look like you're gonna sneeze. I've got I've had like since I've been working outside for two weeks, I end up just getting like congestion. And then I had a gift card that your mother gave me and I went from 90 minute massage and that just made my nose run and it hasn't really stopped running since. It's because he dislodged toxins. In yeah. The toxins. Yeah. Better. We were talking about that. It's like, sometimes you have to pee. If you have to pee in the middle of this, just let me know and you can go to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> oh, massages. Uh, so good. Hey, did you, oh, speaking of, I've never had this done before. You guys. So my mother-in-law, God bless her, she listens to the show. She's addicted to like health massage things. She has a lot of she has fibromyalgia yes. and a lot of so body pains. That she always looks for. for really good massage therapists, and she's always kind of connected us with good ones. Well, she got me. I haven't ever used our current guy, and I'm going to miss him now because he's been spending time eating dinners at our houses, and uh, you know he's moving, so that's sad. But anyway, so I I got a gift card for my birthday last year. Um, and finally he's like, I'm moving. So I've got a couple slots I can sneak you in. I'm like, oh man. So I find it. He busted out a Makita. He used to be a jigsaw and he had, you guys think about, you know, the Theragun ads you're always seeing. He just put his own end on the thing and used it on my back. Oh my gosh. (laughs) He used a freaking Makita jigsaw power tool to massage my back today. He's like. Yeah, you know, sometimes it just, when I'm trying to stretch, get those muscles to loosen up and stress out, sometimes it's just faster to use this and I don't have to spend all this time just sitting here with weight on your back when I can just hit this because this attacks kind of the nerve endings as well. Hmm. And he did it so much like it started to tickle. He's like, yeah, actually that that's a side of the nerves get confused. It's actually really painful for you. But and your nerves, your are, nerves are saying this really tickles. Interesting. <laughs> so I started laughing. He's like, oh, sorry. And so he's like, I'll come back to it. So I had to force myself. You know, if you've ever gone through a good massage or myofacial type of release stuff, you have to like really concentrate on not tensing, tensing back up, up, tensing back up, or in this case, giggling because he's hitting you at, you know, whatever with the power, with the power tool. tool. <laughs> That's wild. He's never pulled out the power tool. I know. I asked me. him. He's like, No, I've never. I was like, Did you ever use this on Molly? He's like, No, I've never really had to use this on Molly. She's got other problems. <laughs> I carry my tension in my neck and shoulders. Yeah, that's what he said. You had to separate your your shoulder blades your from my out. ribs, apparently. Okay, anyway, sorry. Just funny, random. I've never had a power yeah. tool used on me. I'm like, I like you. Okay, speaking of never have I ever's, this is another thing that I thought people in our world would find funny. You guys, we got an Instagram violating community guidelines oh, man. on our Instagram account, our Too Busy to Flush Instagram account. And I tell you what, I share stuff about politics and health stuff that Instagram bans people for on my personal account. But usually it's like a couple of funny memes and recipes. I don't know. We don't even do that much on our Instagram anymore. And other than interacting with people. And so we get this warning and I kind of freaked out and I was like, what on earth did I share recently? (laughs) And 
so I it takes a lot of clicks to get down into the what did you share that violated community guidelines and there's this because all you get up front is this if you do it again you might be at risk of us closing your account and so I finally get down to it and it's this little picture I can barely see so I'm trying to get it bigger and then I realized two things first of all it's a post from August of 2020. So not this last August, but it's a post from a year and a half ago that I had shared from some other account. And for some reason, somebody found it harmful to their psyche from a year and a half ago. And they deleted it and then sent warnings to all of these people, which... It was in the stories, so deleting it doesn't actually do anything because I. You didn't know this. That's why people love Snapchat because it's supposed to actually legitimately wipe it off their servers. Well, it's not that it wipes it off. I mean, I know that it's still on their servers, but nobody but us and and Facebook slash Instagram can see it. So that was a weird thing to me. Who whom are we harming with something that is not saved anywhere except on their servers? And then the other part. That was both sad and hysterical to me. It was a meme about how to cut a bagel. And it was just this very short, cutting a bagel is hard to get a hold of around things. So pro tip, stick your thumb through the hole and it'll hold the bagel in place while you cut the the bagel in half. (laughs) And it was flagged for encouraging people to self-harm. I didn't, welcome, welcome to, to an entire new world order, an entirely humorless world. It's completely stupid. It is stupid, but it's also tremendously sad. And I, I was reading an article on, I think it was from the Gospel Coalition about what do you do when culture is just so absurd? And he specifically was talking about. An instance, it was, let me think for a second. He was talking about J-Lo's performance at the Super Bowl last year and how obviously scandalous it was. And he was like, every time I logged onto social media for the next week, it was just some sanctimonious Christian talking about how terrible it was. And he, I don't even remember it. I, it was... Was it Super Bowl? It was the Super Bowl and... Every, it except was for every, you two, they've all been really dumb. Well, she well, was like... no. If you do hip-hop and R&B, it's going to be terrible. She was... If I re- I did not actually see it. I heard about it. But apparently she was... Well, we was, watched the Super Bowl every year at parents' house. Uh, we were I think at, it was on... We were at some friend's house that year. Oh. Because I remember the friends being like, uh, in retrospect, we probably should have turned that off because all of our kids were watching it. And I was in the kitchen talking to a couple of ladies. Whose house were we at? I will tell you later. I'm not going to say their name online, but I, so maybe it was two years ago. I don't remember. Anyway, that she, so all these women were like defending her with, she's Latina and this is part of her culture and she's empowered and look how amazing she looks. A 50 year old woman with this kind of body. And everybody remember Madonna? It was. Sorry, grandma. You shouldn't be doing moves like that. Very, very. revealing and seductive and like soft porn basically and he was anyway his point was instead of all of this outrage that doesn't do any good why not just do 
God in Psalm 2 and mock it a little bit and move on. Because the mockery comes from that took place right in the middle of the Me Too movement. And our culture totally wants to have its cake and eat it, too, where women Mm -hmm. want to not be objectified, except when we want to objectify ourselves. And then men are allowed to look at us like we're objects because they're objectifying us and they're Me Tooing us. And anyway, this guy said it really concisely in this, but he was like, just just mock it and move on. And it just got me thinking about all the different forms of humor and how not a single one of them is valued in our culture anymore unless it's bitterly making fun of someone or cutting down someone that you disagree with. And then it's not even funny. It's just meanness in the name of humor and that happens on both sides of the political spectrum but true humor that just even amongst family and in front and friends that comes from the humility of not taking yourselves too seriously i think we as a culture largely have lost yeah it's the sensitivity thing you know we don't we don't yeah. 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 I mean, but yeah. So, I mean, I think as Christians, we can imitate God and mock the foolishness. I mean, I just finished reading Isaiah over Christmas and the way Isaiah mocks people worshiping wooden idols where they're warming their house with half of the wood and then they're worshiping the other half of it. So do you think something like the bee is a Christian version of mocking the world? I think that the bee's gotten a little too bitter, to be honest. Oh. <laughs> I think I think in a in ideally yes, and I, I don't actually enjoyed, read it. I just I have somebody en- send me the occasional funny from it. Yeah, I I think that they are funny in a lot of ways, but I think their humor is is so cutting in 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 one direction. You know, mm-hmm. one of the things that made the bee great when it started was you never knew if your sacred cow was going to be on the altar that morning that day. <laughs> you know, and it just keeps you humble. You have to laugh at yourself even as you're laughing at the people who are different from you. But it's most of the humor now is skewering political opponents. So And in That's too bad. Kind of in it with a more acerbic tone than feels edifying. Is the sacred totally random. Is the sacred cow euphemism is that something unique to the world or was that related to those gift cows at that one ministry we worked at that one time? The sacred cow? That's a saying for us uh yeah. I don't know if it's a it's a a Hindu thing or a golden calf thing. Well I didn't know if it was like a universal euphemism or uh, yeah, it's a universal thing. The golden calf. If your golden calf I is going to get thrown out like the Israelites. Um, I just got Merriam-Webster on it. Okay. All right. Just checking. Just the sacred totally... cow is one is something that is often unreasonably immune from criticism or opposition. Somebody's going to be like making fun and of me. And it does not, Merriam-Webster.com does not have the root of it. And we will have to figure that out for you guys, because now I'm curious. Wikipedia also has information on it. It's thought to originate in American English, although similar, even identical idioms occur 
in other languages. Oh, fascinating. It's based, according to Wikipedia, which, you know, <clears throat> Abraham Lincoln said, don't really believe everything you read on the internet. Truth. The idiom is based on the popular understanding of the elevated place of cows in Hinduism and appears to have emerged in America in the late 19th century. The reverence for cows... In the traditionally agrarian Vedic Hindu society stems from reluctance to harm an animal whose milk humans consume after being weaned off of the mother's milk. I thought cows also in Hindu culture were sacred because that was, they were part of the, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Reincarnation world. Yeah. Okay. And represented one of the gods. I don't know. Now, apparently, I don't know anything. I don't Any, know much. The more I, the more I do things, the less anyway, I Anyway, so. I think that here's my encouragement to everybody. First of all, be cheerleaders to your friends. Second of all, laugh at yourself and the crazy world around you. What else do you want to talk about? Well, um, two things. First, I just mentioned that I've been reading Isaiah and listened to probably 15 chapters straight while driving the kids up and back skiing, which is fantastic for letting the words just wash over you if you're not trying to actually read and study. Listening to scripture is great for getting an overall impression of a Mm -hmm. big book that can be confusing. And I found myself thinking, I was at the tail end of Isaiah, and we're starting to get into new heavens and new earth glorified world sorts of things. And I found myself wondering what relationships would be like in heaven or after Christ returns. And specifically, I, you guys, I got to be part of a junior. People won't be weird and hard. Right. Obviously, like all the fun is gone. Right. No, it's not that all the fun is gone, but, (laughs) but. So I got to be part of a middle school Canavox class over Christmas break with the idea that someday I would be able to teach these myself, that we're developing materials for middle school and high school to talk about topics like what is marriage, same-sex marriage, transgenderism, hookup culture and dating, things like that. So teaching and engaging younger generations that are just being blasted in the face with all crazy messages these days um so the first part we just talk about relationships generally and how should we think about relationships in a healthy way and the our our leader academic director has developed what she calls the friendship onion and people have to earn show that they deserve going deeper into the onion so the outer layer is just people that you know, acquaintances or people that you meet. And then the deeper you go, the more layers of the deeper knowledge of you and the amount of trust that you should have in the people that you're revealing amounts of yourself to should have. And we asked the girls, how many Facebook friends do you have or whatever social media you have? And, you know, Somebody my age could have 400, 700, max out at 1,000 Facebook friends. How many of those actually know you personally? And you just keep drilling down. How many of those would you consider friends? How many of those would you consider close friends that you are confidants? And 
So I was just thinking, what is the nature of acquaintances in heaven? Is there, because we're still finite. So we we're limited in the close friendships, or are we? Does our finitude, when we are in glory, does it... It, does that create limitations on how many close friends we could have? And then the other thing, because of where I am in life right now, you know, you have people who used to be good friends and then you bump into them at church or on the ski hill and you haven't seen them in a while because of COVID or other life situations or maybe their kid was a jerk to your kid and so you're like, eh, I don't really want to hang out with you guys anymore is, or I don't like the influence that your kids are on my kids. I had a friend recently ask me about her. She, her youngest has really acts up after he's been around a particularly poorly behaved kid in another family. And she's like, I don't know what to do. Do we just stop hanging out with this family? Because the next hmm. day I'm disciplining my kid all day long. And I feel like it's because he's absorbed the poor behavior of the kid yeah, that we hang out the day for. Uh, yeah, Your kids I, suck. We're not hanging out with you. Yeah, and what do you tell the family? So anyway, <laughs> sorry. The, I mean that is a very. We got basic... a bunch of families going. Oh my word, is it me? Yeah, no, <laughs> no, it's us. Let's be honest. It's, it's our kids. No, but I, yeah. So all of those <clears throat> different weird and hard elements. Do you, if you in heaven, do you if you go explore Mount Everest because nowadays you know. In heaven, you can go explore Mount Everest without dying because there's no death, dying, or crying. And you you get to have these glorified experiences of exploring Earth. So say you go spend a week exploring Carlsbad Cabins or you go to Antarctica and see the glories that God created there that because it was too dangerous to do before heaven, we couldn't do. Or you go to space and you come back after a month What were you or reading? Year. What were you reading... That prompted you this. I don't know. Because I feel like, like I feel like acquaintances. <laughs> I feel like acquaintances are always going to be acquaintances, but the getting to know you process is going to be true and authentic without any weirdness and out any hardness. But you still may not know them. But you have eternal opportunities to get to know like millions of people. But then, people. but but you have eternal opportunities to get to know millions of people. But you are a finite person. Huh? who can't know everyone. So if you get to so know... So there's always going to be acquaintances. Yeah, so you get to know, say, George from North right. Africa for a while, and then you go back and live in Russia for a while, and then you bump into George when you guys are both exploring Mexico or whatever. Is it... it, it I don't know. I don't know. What your comment there brings up another, a whole other like, train of thought for me. What criteria do you have personally that gives you the go-ahead or the indication, like, I'm going to let this person into another layer of my onion? Um, what par- do you have personal, like, mm-hmm. parameters? Yeah, that was and- actually, uh, taking this, doing this class with middle schoolers was actually, oh, huh, I haven't really thought about this in that way, but... One of, obviously, does this person actually interested in me and do they care about me and do they reciprocate? Is it always me initiating, calling them? Do they, or texting or hanging out? Do they 
flake out on me or seem to prioritize somebody else. I had a friend years ago when I moved back to Billings that it felt like we would make plans and then she would cancel them because she got Mm -hmm. better offers. And it just was weird to have that happen regularly enough that I started stopping making plans with her because I knew that she would get a better offer. And actually tell me that. That was that was a weird and hard to be wow. like, oh, you know, somebody else invited me and I think I'd rather do this with them. Okay. Okay. Um, so, so not that, but somebody who is actually interested in me, somebody who will speak into my life. I'm, as I told someone from church not too long ago, I'm obviously very opinionated that's not something i hide very well and so someone who molly to jr hey honey i have an idea let's start a podcast together (laughs) (laughs) make this happen (laughs) no but you do no i yes i am if you follow myers-briggs i am a mastermind come up with ideas person i'm not very good at making them happen but i'm good at but i'm and i'm a i'm a myers-briggs campaigner so when i see something i get behind it full and makes it happen so um so so somebody who for me a good friend is a balance between appreciates my opinions and feeds off of them in a way that's intellectually stimulating, but then will also push back and isn't just always agreeing with me because that, I mean, as much as I would like to think that I'm always right, I'm probably not. And so a friend who disagrees with me on at least a couple of things and is willing to say that to challenge me, to make me a better person, is somebody that I value And I think also, here's the other thing that I found really interesting is um, Katie Faust, who was leading this class, she said, she didn't say it in so many words, but we were texting afterwards, and she said she thinks there's a ceiling on how close you can get to someone if they don't share your worldview. Because, and this is Anna, who wrote this material, is very classical like in terms of Plato and Aristotle this is a very Aristotelian idea that a true friend is someone who agrees with you on the good what is good and will pursue the good with you so Katie Hmm. gave the example of she she wrote a book last year and she published it and the book is about children's rights and how specifically how modern culture with our adult-centered views and pursuits of sexuality in terms of dad's going to become transgender, dad's going to become a mom, or dad's going to divorce mom and create a new family, or dad's going to divorce mom and become and marry another man. All of these different ways that adults prioritize their own desires over the needs and the rights of children, because if you create children, you have obligations to them. And there are laws in our culture that recognize that, and there's a UN Children's Bill of Rights, I think, or the UN has codified rights that children have, which if you, the other side of that coin is ways that adults who have brought those children into existence, i.e. their biological mother and father, are obligated to them. So in political parlance, Katie would have a very 
conservative position. She was raised by, well, her story is very public. Her parents divorced and her mom has lived with a lesbian partner that she has a great relationship with and thinks very highly of. But she's like, she's, she's not a dad. And I needed a mom and a dad. And ideally, a mom and a dad under the same roof. And so she has a whole platform now advocating for the needs of children. And Katie said she had a good friend that she went to very excited that she had gotten a contract to write a book on this whole thing. And the friend was doesn't share Katie's worldview and therefore was not excited about her getting a book <laughs> contract mm. to further her platform Fair. in pushing this worldview. And of course her friend couldn't be excited. Her friend could be excited personally for her to a certain extent. Right. But somebody who is cheerleading you, not just because they like you as a person, but because they agree with you in what is good for the world and they want to pursue it with you. So Katie said, unless you share a worldview with someone with a basic idea of what is good what is good for us? What is good for the world? And how can we go there together? There's a ceiling on how good of a friend you can have. And I never thought of that before, but I think hmm. it's very true. And I think... I feel like you're right. It is very true. And I think it goes for both same sex friendships. So me and girlfriends or you and guy friends, as well as for marriage. Because if a marriage where you don't share a worldview, but you just really like each other... Once the each other excitement wears off and you're not going somewhere together that you deem worthwhile to go together and to help each other go there together, you're you kind of fizzle. The I feel like the best as I reflect on my own, obviously, you can't listen to this conversation without reflecting on your own relationships that you have around you. I feel like the best friendships I have had are people who don't share my worldview. Hmm. Wholesale don't share your worldview? Wholesale. They just, they're not Christians. They're not believers. They're not anybody who would, um, you know, that those friendships go as deep as they can go before they hit that wall. Mm-hmm. But the funny part is, the people who share my worldview, I can think of a very small portion of friends, extremely small, that actually go the full depth of the friendship level. Mm-hmm. Meaning, the weight, you know, the, the friends who don't share my worldview wildly outweighs both in depth and quality the friends that I have that do share my worldview. And it makes me ponder why that is. And I wonder, I wonder for me if there's an assumption that we have a closeness that we don't have. So I don't pursue a closeness with somebody or everything else. But I don't know that. Yeah. So that's just an interesting thought process. Because I don't know that I've actually thought about having. What when you mentioned made that comment about peeling back the layers of the onions? Like, okay, now you, I'm going to peel back another layer of my onion for you, type mm-hmm. of thing. Um, I never thought in those terms. Yeah, yeah, or at least like, yeah, I don't know. You're so 
thoughtful. I didn't come up with any of that except for what will heaven be like with friendships. But so in my studio, um, you guys, as we were talking about impacting the world and worldview, in my studio, it's a it's a repurposed. Uh, I built out a repurposed storage room, and we've got a little small area here where we do our show with a couple chairs and a microphone. And I'm staring at my computer so I can see if there's any issues that pop up randomly. And, and above the computer, I have a 50-inch uh, OLED TV, 50-inch TV that I think that I had from from previous uh, previous life as a film person. Um, and right now we're staring at jellyfish in slow motion. But mm-hmm. I've got an Apple TV connected to it. Before the Apple TV, before the jellyfish came up... It was a space shot of the globe. And the way they took it, uh, I won't get into the technicalities, but high frame rate goes really slow motion. But the way they shot the globe is the, is the world from, from the spatial view is the bottom third of the TV and the upper third is space. And you can see a halo, a, a, a vapor halo over the top of the globe. Because the way the sun is hitting it. Mm, I think that's the ozone layer. Yeah. And it's just unbelievably magnificent. And I was struck very briefly with the magnificence of God's creation just in that one image. Like, wow. Like, God created this whole planet for us. And you can see lights in the countries kind of spreading out all over the place. And uh, so it added another sense of, of gravitas to... <laughs> your, your your comments about worldview and sharing what you believe about the world and impacting the, the world, world and, the world yeah it's just like world. wow like it was just kind of a really cool, and I'm big into sci-fi so I like stuff that takes place on other planets too but it was just something that struck me momentarily by it because I was kind of sitting here just like whoa staring at it for a second I almost pointed out halfway but I didn't want to ruin your my moment ruin your moment if you will hmm. so. Well, I had something else that I wanted to talk about, mm-hmm. but I think it's going to go too long. We're at one hour and two minutes. Yeah. Is that too long? Well, I don't know. Should we test our audience patience and go for an hour yeah. and a half? Yeah. No, because the kid, I need to put the kids to bed. Ooh, yeah. We're at 10 minutes till bedtime. Yeah. Okay. I'll just tease this out because I'm dying to talk about it. I've been, did you, you listen, say it for next week? Did you listen to the podcast I asked you to listen to? No, but I promise <laughs> as I work on the van, uh, I can't think super well sometimes when I'm working on the van. I have to listen to music so I can zone out on, or I can focus on van things, but I'll listen to the podcast. Okay. I will give this to people. I threw this out on our oh, Telegram Oh, this could channel. be fun. Yeah. You could give it out to people to listen to now because and prep I, for next week's show. Yeah. And prep, you, I'm giving our podcast listeners homework. Is that pushing things too much? We're not making them listen for an hour and a half, so I think homework is fine. Uh, it's an hour and 20 minute podcast, I'm pretty sure. Well, we're not going for an hour and a half. Oh, okay. All right, you guys. Sean Stevenson is the podcaster. It is the Model Health Show. And now I'm going to find what episode it is. Episode... So Sean Stevenson is, I, as far as I understand, he has the number one health and fitness podcast on in the country or on apple or something he did a podcast with a guy an interview with a guy named mark 
Schatzker, S-C-H-A-T-Z-K-E-R. It is episode, hold on, I'm going to open it and it's probably going to make noise. Episode 542. It's called The Hidden Connection Between Calories and Flavor and the End of Craving. Mark Schatzker has written two books. The first one is called The Dorito Effect, which our library has. And the second book is called The End of Craving. And I am, I want to get a hold of both of them. The amount of research this guy has done about why people crave things and um, the effect, I'll just summarize this. Very, okay, no, no, no. I'm not going to summarize it. <laughs> I'm going to say, as I You've listened, got to tease it, babe. As I listened tease to it, it, you guys know that meme with the with the nerd in front of the board with all of the papers on it and the strings connecting him, and he's kind of in this really intense. Uh, I'm I'm acting it right now, and you can't see me. But this very intense crouch down position, drawing all of these kind of conspiracy theory connections between all these things. I felt like that listening to this conversation, because as Kim commented on our Telegram channel, where when I started this, it took me about a week to listen to the whole podcast because I'm a very slow listener. He, she said, it's like. It's like biology meets the supper of the lamb, which is our favorite book, my favorite book. I'm projecting Robert Farrar Capon's book, The Supper of the Lamb. So there's this theology of feasting mixed with actual biology of how taste impacts our taste buds and our body's way, our body's interpretation of taste actually impacts how our body processes food. It's tremendously fascinating, and. Our body's nutritional needs dictate cravings that we have. And there's tons of science behind it. So if you guys, I'm I'm going to try to pull together more thoughts. Because as I'm listening to it, I've also got the stuff that I had just done with Canavox, where we're trying to train. Do you guys remember, if you remember, I don't even know how many episodes ago when I was inching my way, I, I got stalled up. I still have, I still have Truman, the rise and triumph of the modern oh, self, Truman? sitting on that's, our that's on our buffet table. Ago. It was a long time ago, but but where I was talking about training ourselves and our kids to understand teleology, that things are built by a designer, by a creator for a purpose. So, as as Aristotle would say, the telos of an acorn is to become an oak tree. The telos of a little boy is to become a man. And because of looking at, this is a quick review of what I went off on a couple of weeks ago, looking at the physical differences between a man and a woman, between me and JR, you can, you can infer differences in design, even taking stuff up to the ski hill. I was exhausted the next day because I carried a 40-pound three-year-old back and forth up the parking lot a couple of times. A man who is 100 pounds heavier than I am and a lot stronger because of you have a lot more testosterone and you're also a foot taller than I am, you would have had a lot less trouble lugging a backpack and a three-year-old and a whole bunch of gear. You were designed to lug ski gear and children. I was not designed to do that. <laughs> that is your tell us, your goal in life, your end in life is carrying other people's ski gear. I'm saying that to be a little bit funny, but... <laughs> But when we when we get 
up in arms about like why does the guy have to be the breadwinner and why does the guy you know why can't women be wearing carts and out cutting wood go cut wood it's just a fact of the matter that a man's lungs process air differently and the physics in terms of the angles of his knees and things like that and the leverage that he has by virtue of being taller and his muscles and his skeleton from having gone through puberty is stronger all of these things say if we're going to divide labor in a way that's wise and efficient, like a little house on the prairie family, you're going to be doing the heavy labor and I'm going to be doing the nurturing because my body is designed for that. Also, my body is helpless while I'm nurturing a small child. I think most of our listeners are on board with that. Anyway, yep. the the so I'm we're we're trying to instill some of that in middle school girls with these classes that we're doing and look boy body and girl body fit together like a puzzle like hmm that should tell you something about what those bodies are designed for let's learn from that and not try to use technology and our god complex to override that so that's what we're doing with these girls and then listening to this podcast i'm like man our bodies are so much more intricately and amazingly designed than we could spend all of eternity, I think, probably delving into understanding the amazingness of the design of our bodies and how um, our brains understand our nutritional needs and how to process that nutrition for us. And, and then how, just to give you a small taste, pun intended, of the podcast and of what I could talk more about probably for a full hour next week. But the the snippet that got me hooked on wanting to watch this, he posted a little clip on Instagram and the guy was talking about how it, there was an experiment where a woman gave a handful of subjects uh, a colorless, flavorless, sweetened or beverage that had a calorie count to it. And the colorless flavorless added calories was different and their bodies couldn't process they their bodies didn't respond in terms of burning energy in the way she expected she expected okay 75 calories in they're going to burn this and then she sweetened them in ways that messed with uh that weren't consistent with the amount of calories in the drinks and their bodies basically didn't burn any energy and he said Basically, if we screw around, that the the level of sweetness that the tongue was experiencing actually told the brain to fire up the metabolism to process that much sweetness. And when the brain gets told, process this much sweetness, but it's not getting the calories that correspond to how much sweetness it thinks it should be getting, it just shuts down like, I give up. I can't do this. Yeah, I don't know what I don't know what you're trying to do here, but I'm done. Which creates metabolic dysfunction in people. So he's saying all of the artificial sweeteners and stuff that we put in food that's supposed to be saving calories is actually making our bodies give up trying to process calories appropriately. So that's that amazing design, but also how important taste is to another example jr always talks about how his jaw hurts and his mouth starts watering when he can my smell mom's a... pot roast you guys 
Yeah. The moment I smell it, my jaw starts to ache. And it's been doing that since I was a kid. And and that's actually literally through the sense of smell, your body is already kicking into gear how to metabolize what it smells and thus knows that you are going to consume. It's wild. But Robert Ferrar is all about taste and how in savoring and enjoying and how important that is for our well-being. And he's talking about our spiritual well-being. But it's all so closely tied in together. It's just crazy cool. And I'm going to stop talking about it now. Because <laughs> otherwise, I'm just going to not have anything to talk about next yeah, time. Yeah, talk about We'll talk about it tomorrow. Sorry, I'm posting a few things on our Telegram page. Um, and I'll give you guys a link. For, so all the stuff that we mentioned, including the link that Molly just mentioned for the podcast for you to listen to prior to next week is going to be in the show notes. Our links are going to be in the show notes. Um, so that includes, but again, is not limited to the Carl Truman book, Supper of the Lamb, the recipes earlier in the show, uh, some cyber links to the, some of the uh, phones and services we've been talking about. So that'll all be in the recipes. Sh- I, I mentioned that. Oh. Yeah, the recipes in the, in the show notes. So all that stuff will be in the show notes. We are going to close the show because we, are, we might be at a record one hour... I see that. And 13 minutes, you guys. My And it's bedtime. <laughs> Welcome to 2022. Hitting it off with a bang. We hope we didn't bore you guys. You enjoyed the conversation and it made you think, made you laugh, and made you roll your eyes because that's my role. I make you roll your eyes. <laughs> um, speaking of Telegram, I have, uh, we have a Too Busy to Flush Telegram group. The conversation there is all over the map. We don't moderate because we don't need to. People are mature enough, but they drive the conversation. We don't. Oh, speaking of which, I was going to mention that there are so many people in our world who are adoptive parents or who Mm -hmm. hope to be adoptive parents. I just like kudos to you guys. I think that's super cool. You guys, we had a huge conversation about, not we, they. Our listeners had a huge conversation about adoption that was just really rich and wonderful. And then I go tonight and just derail everything wonderful oh, about boy. it. Because I posted I posted a picture of the microphone. Because we've been talking about, we missed last week's cue to get a show started. And I think it was Davis that was like, Dude, you can't go too long before a show because I, I got I to gotta get my too busy to flush hit. <laughs> and so I was like, hey guys, guess what? And then Paul... I've mentioned Paul in a while. Paul, I'm going to mention you on the show right now. My cousin Paul goes, what? And I say, chicken butt. And I'm like, just kidding. And I post a picture of the microphone. And then um, Blake goes, post the gif of the Kool-Aid man punching through the wall. Oh, yeah. And I'm reminded of the Dane Cook routine. If any of you guys remember Dane Cook, he's like, oh, yeah. And you're like, oh, no. You just, like, wrecked the wall of my house. My parents are going to be pissed. So I was a, back in the early 2000s. Dane Cook was huge. He was funny. He was offensive. And then that reminded me of his scene in Waiting. And I'm going back to food service. And it just kind of really, it's a really funny scene. Really offensive. But... Anyway, so I derail it with all that stuff because um, that's what I do. Sorry, guys. I'm only human. I'm weird and hard. <gasps> Molly and I have a phrase, weird and hard. You can buy the coffee mug on our website, toobusytoflush.com. You can follow us on Instagram at toobusytoflush. You can send us a postcard on our website, toobusytoflush.com, or 
tb2f.com. The link to the Telegram group to join us in random conversations on Telegram is also included in the show notes. And you can send us an email at tb2f at pm.me, papamike.me. All of the stuff, as I mentioned, that we talked about on the show, will, if I remember correctly, will be included in the show notes. I'll get that show up tonight after the kids go to bed. And um, you all can have a great day tomorrow. I think that's it. Got anything else? No. No? So I'm, I'm out of breath. Okay. Go listen to that podcast. I'll listen to the podcast. We'll talk about it next week on the show. We can carry on conversation on Telegram. It'll be a great time for everybody involved. It's great to be back with you guys in 2022. Happy January and good night. <laughs>